I'm so thankful to be with each of you ladies this morning and to learn together what the Bible says about fellowship and then service here with Crystal in a little bit. I have to say just right here at the beginning that these are big topics. In fact, it feels like we are really just going to scratch the surface of what the Bible has to say this morning about fellowship. But what a joy to be able to learn together and grow in him. Let me pray to begin our time. Heavenly Father, uh, we do just thank you for this time and this morning and the new day. Thank you um, that we get to be gathered together here. I pray that the time would be helpful, that we would seek to be not only hearers, but also doers of your word. And I pray that you would give me grace and wisdom as I teach, that it would be clear and helpful, and just knowing that it's only by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, there's a song by the Gettys that you may have heard called, Oh, How Good It Is. It goes like this. Oh, how good it is when the family of God dwells together in spirit, in faith, in unity, where the bonds of peace, of acceptance, and love are the fruit of his presence here among us. Oh, how good it truly is, right? What a blessing to be able to fellowship together. It was fun to even look around beforehand and see you smiling and talking with each other, and just what a joy. This morning, we are going to look at the fact that fellowship should be a consistent, intentional, and increasing reality in the life of believers as they walk together seeking to bring glory to God. And we're going to look at two questions as we seek to unpack what the Bible says about fellowship. You should all have handouts of my outline for today on your tables if that's helpful for you with taking notes. Our first question we're going to look at is, what is fellowship? What is fellowship? Because in order to know how to fellowship, we have to know what it is, right? Letter A is going to be the definition, the definition. And let's turn to Scripture to find the answer. If you'll turn with me to Acts 2. We're going to focus on Acts 2.42, but I do want to give you a little bit of context first since we're just jumping into a book. So you may remember that the theme of Acts is birth and growth of the church. And starting at the beginning of chapter 2, we see that Pentecost had just happened. That's the amazing and miraculous coming of the Holy Spirit. And we see Peter clearly proclaim the gospel to the crowd. He says in verse 36, Therefore, Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And scripture says that about 3,000 were saved that day. 3,000. That's a lot of people. And then we read in Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Our church may feel big, but we have no excuse to say that the call to fellowship does not apply to us. The church in Acts was certainly bigger. And verse 42 says that they were continually devoting themselves to teaching and fellowship. 
you know what teaching is. That's what we come to listen to every Sunday morning when Pastor Tom preaches the message. That's what you're listening to right now. So what is fellowship? Well, you may have heard the Greek word before. It's koinonia, koinonia. And I mention that for a reason. We're going to You're going to hear me talk about that again in a little while today. It's going to become important. So koinonia, see if you can remember that. It means communion, fellowship, sharing in common, according to the Vines Dictionary. And another commentary describes it as association or close relationship. I feel, though, even just getting a look at the English word, that you can really get a sense of what this word means. Fellowship. Fellow, that means you can't do it on your own, right? Fellowship. It's something that you have to do together. In this passage in Acts, we see that two aspects of their fellowship are mentioned, which helps us to further understand what the word means. The breaking of bread and prayer. Prayer, that is us talking to God, pouring out our hearts to him. But what does the passage mean by the breaking of bread? Well, there's actually some debate among commentators if the breaking of bread in this passage refers to the Lord's Supper, communion, or to an actual meal. Could possibly be referring to both. I think that this quote by Warren Wearsby is helpful on this passage. He says, Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a -a once-a-week routine. Why? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them, and his resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. Ultimately, regardless of what they were doing, this fact is clear. These believers were consistently living out their faith. They were continually in fellowship with one another. In Scripture, we see that there can be fellowship with God, and there can be fellowship with other believers. And we also see that it's vital for one of these types of fellowship to be true in your life in order that the other type can take place. We see that there is a condition to participating in true fellowship. So let's look at that now to further understand what the Bible means by fellowship. So letter B on your outline, the condition. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And as you're turning, I'm going to go ahead and warn you now that we're going to be doing a lot of turning to different passages this morning. But I know it's still pretty early for a Saturday, but this is a workshop, right? So you are warned. (laughs) And if you can, I do want you to flip or tap on your phones to these different passages, it can often be so helpful to not only hear, but to also see what scripture says. So 1 John 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 7. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, if we have fellowship with the Father and his son Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with one another. In order to have fellowship, this sharing in common with one another, it is crucial, it is necessary that you are saved by our Father God. True fellowship comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, you may be able to sit at a coffee shop and visit with someone who's not a believer. You may be able to enjoy their company, find things to talk about, and even do life together to a certain extent. But ladies, I hope you see that there is such a difference to true fellowship. Have you ever had the experience of meeting someone for the first time and immediately you have this common bond because of Christ? You both realize that this is not your home, that you're an alien and a stranger here. You realize that you serve the same holy, faithful, good creator God, the God who sent his perfect son Jesus into the world to save sinners. And it changes the lens through which you view your life. It changes your life. You are a new creation in him. Later on in Acts, we see in Acts 17 that Paul says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of you. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children." Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Friends, if you are here today and you have never repented and believed in this Jesus, I urge you to do that now. Otherwise, honestly, nothing else I'm going to say today will apply to you. This right here is the condition. You must be a believer. You must have fellowship with the one true God of the Bible in order to, to, I can't talk order to have fellowship with one another. And in many ways, you know, fellowship is more about who we are than about what we do. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. 
Well, now we know what fellowship is, and we know the condition that must be true of us in order to have true fellowship. Now we're going to talk about the purpose of fellowship. Why? Why do we fellowship? This is letter C or number three under what is fellowship. And if you want to turn with me to Hebrews, Hebrews 13, I'm going to read from verse 16. It says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with with such sacrifices God is pleased. The sharing in this passage is our same word, koinonia. Remember I said you'd hear it again? And it says that this is something that we should not neglect. It reminds me of when Acts 2 said they were continually devoting themselves to fellowship. So we see, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for or because with such sacrifices God is pleased. So ultimately, why do we fellowship? Because it pleases our God. It brings him glory. Are there other purposes of fellowship? Yes. Mutual encouragement, growing in Christ, building one another up, accountability, to name a few. And we will talk about those a little bit more later on. But ultimately, ladies, if you have been loved, chosen, and adopted by this God... Does not your heart long to spend all your days doing what pleases him? It reminds me of the relationship of a a young child with a parent. Obviously not a perfect analogy, but that child as a general rule desires to do what pleases her father or mother. And so we must devote ourselves to this sharing in common, this fellowship with one another. Scripture says that this is something we must do. It's a command. None of us are exempt from it, regardless of our age or stage of life. But even more than viewing fellowship as simply a command, we should desire to do it because it pleases our Heavenly Father God, because it glorifies Him. As we go about seeking to make this command a reality in our lives, what should our attitude be? Well, that brings us to point number four, or letter D on your outlines, heart. Heart. Turn with me to Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 2. You know, in chapter 1, verse 27, Paul had just explained to the church at Philippi the importance of conducting themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he says in chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The church, you know, in many ways is a funny place, you know. I mean, even just looking around here this morning, there are people from all walks of life, different ages, different stages, different interests, different life experiences, but ladies, if you are in Christ, 
your lives, each of your lives, exists for the same purpose. And so despite all of the different, you can have unity and love for one another. You can live in peace. The desire of your heart is to bring glory to Christ as you walk this journey called life, sometimes full of seasons that make your heart sing, and sometimes full of days that are very difficult. But through them all, walking together, sharing in common, living in fellowship, because you are unified in what truly matters, because you share in common what truly matters, your relationship to Christ. William Hendrickson says on this passage, if then you receive any help or encouragement or comfort from your vital union with Christ, if then the love of Christ towards you does at all provide you with an incentive for action, if moreover you are at all rejoicing in the marvelous spirit fellowship And if you have any experience of the tender mercy and compassion of Christ, then prove your gratitude for all this by loving your brothers and sisters at home. As a believer in Christ, your love is turned to those that Christ has placed in your life. What Jesus called the greatest commandment, love God, love others. Another commentator says, the believer's eyes are turned away from himself and focused on the needs of others. That is what the heart behind our fellowship is. Well, at this point, you may be asking, this is all great, Aaron, but how do we actually go about doing this? And I'm so glad you asked because that's what we're going to spend the remainder of our time together today talking about. But rather than me just give you the answers, as we transition to this section, I'm going to have you think through this at your tables. So I'm going to break you into groups. The way I'm going to do that is your table is your group. Yay! (laughs) If you are at a table by yourself, though, Go sit with somebody else, okay? You can't do this on your own because you have to fellowship while you do your assignment, okay? So what I would like you to do, behind your outline, there's a a list of verses, a sheet that has a list of verses. And I want you to read through those verses at your table together and come up with ideas of how we fellowship in real life. So what that practically looks like, how do we fellowship? And just jot those down by the passages. It's not, I don't have a crazy system for it or anything. Just write it down beside there, and then we will reconvene in about 10 minutes. Okay? Ready? Go. All right. Well, hopefully you've had plenty of time to fellowship. I love at least hearing you you talk and and get to think through those things together as you brainstorm um, what the Bible says about fellowshipping together. And I would love to see all of your answers. I bet you came up with some fun ones. But what we're going to actually do is I'm going to walk through the list that I came up with uh, from those same verses that I gave you. And then we'll look at what the Bible says and explore how to do them in very practical ways. But keep your lists. 
because I'd love to come for you to come tell me afterwards if you came up with some different ones that I did not. You know, the ways in which we can fellowship are wide and varied. It seems that it would be difficult to make a comprehensive list. Certainly, this is much bigger than sitting across from another believer with a cup of coffee. Although, that is lovely, right? <laughs> we need to think bigger. What I share in the rest of our time together is not an exhaustive list, but rather just a little snapshot of ways that we as believers can share life and live out what the Bible says about fellowship. Letter A under how do we fellowship? Worshiping together. Worshiping together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Did you catch that? Not forsaking our own assembling together. That makes me think of the one time a week that we all come together in the same place. We are assembled and worship our Lord together. A consistent assembling. Acts 2, when we read that earlier this morning, also talked about being devoted to the teaching of God's word. In Hebrews, this passage is talking about the importance of not neglecting regular corporate worship, or big church, as we like to call it. So how is big church a part of fellowship? The key word in this passage is together. As we are assembled, worshiping our Lord, we are together, sharing in common, fellowshipping. In the Partners Program, some of you may be familiar with that. It's a one-on-one -on -one discipleship program that our, some people in our church have done and we use here. Mike Fabares, he calls this type of fellowship side-by-side. -side. So we're sitting side-by-side -side together. The other type of fellowship he calls face-to-face. Think of situations where you would literally be face-to-face -face across from another believer. Okay? Partners, for example. I think these designations of fellowship are helpful, but I want to challenge you to realize that they morph together more than you might originally think. As you fellowship together side by side, you have more opportunities to participate in the other type of fellowship, face to face. Ultimately, Fellowship is more defined by who we are than what we do. The application from this section, well, come to big church and be intentional. Consider how to make the most of the time that you are there to encourage one another and to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. A few practical ideas of how to do this. Come early if you can. I get it. I have little ones too. It's not always possible, but come early if you can. If possible, don't rush off during the closing song. Linger. Be intentional about where you sit. A couple of ways to think about this is who can you encourage or who can you meet? 
pay attention during church. This one may seem simple, but pay attention during church. And make it easy for others to pay attention. Don't be a distraction. Sing. Be an active participant. Let's move on to letter B. Serving together. Serving together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 18 reads, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For this aspect of how to serve, serving together, we're going to look at the first part of this passage, and then we'll get to the rest later, I promise. Did you notice that it said, appreciate those who diligently labor among you? This implies that those in leadership are not the ones doing all the work. The Lord has clearly given our leaders that place in the body of Christ, and we should make it our ambition to truly appreciate them. We should be careful to not undermine their God-given authority by our words or actions, but to rather be a peacemaker. And as we go about having that attitude, we should diligently labor, work hard, right alongside them too. Having this mindset of service is huge. Remember, we are bond servants, slaves of Christ, as Paul often describes himself. Whatever type of service we do, we should work hard to do it unto the Lord. Because of the work of Christ in our lives and our faith in him, we can selflessly serve other believers. So how do you know where to serve? Well, I don't want to steal all of Crystal's thunder because <laughs> she's going to talk about service in the next part of the workshop. But here's just a couple ideas, okay, to keep in mind. Ask. Ask where you can serve. You could ask at the Connection Center in the lobby at our church. You could ask ministry leaders, pastors. Look online on the Countryside Bible Church website. There's a page that's actually a serve page that has needs and ideas of where you could serve. Be willing to serve in organized, consistent ways and spontaneous ways. So what I mean by that, organized ways, think Signing up for nursery to serve consistently or signing up to serve in the choir. Spontaneous ways, I'm thinking like, okay, you're at Sunday school and you're going through the snack line and you notice that there's no plates. Well, go get some plates, right? Or ask somebody where the plates are. Or you're walking into church and you notice that there's no greeter at the door. Go to the door and smile, right? <laughs> uh, just be looking for ways that you can bless others and be an encouragement. If you don't know what your gifting is, don't let that stop you from serving. Jump in and ask for input 
from leadership or those who have been doing it longer than you along the way. How is service the way that we fellowship together? Well, those of you who have served in consistent ways probably know the answer to this. It's amazing the bond that is formed by serving our Lord together. You can think back, remember that time we were in nursery and the baby wouldn't stop crying? Or remember that time we made food for the new member reception? And all of a sudden, you have something else in common that you didn't before. It also gives you more opportunity to see the person face-to-face and to share joys and struggles. Take those opportunities. Build those bonds. Serving in church is a clear command in Scripture. Don't think that our church is too big and there isn't a spot for you. Jump in with both feet. Letter C, praying together. This is number three under how do we fellowship by praying together. Acts 2.42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Prayer. This one is very clear. Part of that koinonia fellowship that those early believers in Acts were participating in was prayer. So how can prayer be fellowship? Well, take the opportunity to ask how you can pray for someone. Be intentional. Ask real-life questions. I often tell the beginnings girls, I really do want to know about what's going on in your life. Your grandma in the hospital or your dog that ran away. But I also want to know how you're doing. How is your walk with the Lord? How is your time in the Word? What are you struggling with? What are you thanking the Lord for? Be vulnerable to share life together and get past the surface level. Ask the questions and think of others, even if you don't have your life completely together yourself. Because, spoiler alert, none of us do. Share the joys and burdens of life. And then pray for those things. Commit to pray for those things, yes, but also pray now. You can pray over the phone. You can pray at the end of big church. Go sit in the lobby and pray. You can pray in your home, in a coffee shop, in the doctor's office. The Lord hears. He hears, and he loves when his children pray to him. And oh, the joy, the connection that comes from sharing together in this way. Then commit to pray for them. If you don't have a good system for organizing your prayer life, some ideas would be, first of all, go back and listen to the workshop on prayer from last year. We did a workshop on prayer and Bible study. Go listen to it. Also, there's an app called Prayer Mate. Some of you may have heard of Prayer Mate. And it lets you enter in different prayer requests and categories, and then it cycles through them for you in an organized way. You can also journal your prayers. You could actually just literally write out word for word your prayer. Or you can bullet point journal. I find that kind of helpful. It just keeps me on track. (laughs) You can also 
pray for certain items on certain days of the week. So you could say, Monday, every Monday, I'm praying for missionaries. Tuesday, I'm praying for friends. Wednesday, I'm praying for government. And then you can just know, hey, I know what day of the week it is. I know what I'm praying for today. Those are just some ideas. I, I personally have used all of those options in different seasons, and they're helpful. And then follow up. Ask how they're doing with the items that they've shared. Share together how the Lord is growing you and how he's answered your prayers along the way. I challenge you to think, what are the opportunities that I have in my life to pray for other believers? How can you be intentional to fellowship together in this way? Letter D, giving together. Giving together. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. This one may come as a surprise to you, but the word contribution is a familiar word. It's our word, koinonia. We see this word used again in the same way in Romans 15.26. It says, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Giving and being generous is a part of fellowship. But how? Well, you have the opportunity to give together to the Lord towards a common goal. Maybe it was the new worship center or Hope House, supporting missionaries, or just the daily needs of church life and the body. You know, the electricity bill doesn't pay itself here either, just like at your home. <laughs> there is a bond that comes from knowing you're part of something bigger together. The goal is not to brag about how much you're giving or to give beyond your means, and the goal is not even to give a certain percentage, but rather to love the Lord lavishly as you obey this command to contribute together towards a common goal. I challenge you to really think this through. Talk to your husband if you're married or with your parents or a trusted mentor. Are you giving through the local church? Are you fellowshipping together in this way? Letter E, living together. This is number five under how do we fellowship. And we're going to kind of camp out on this one for the rest of our time, okay? Living together. John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the motivator, the underlying reason for doing what you are doing. Because of the great love that Jesus has for you, you have love for one another. And this is the way that you show evidence of truly being in Christ by loving other believers. You know, Pastor Tom has been talking about that on Sunday mornings. So, so helpful. 
As you go about doing what we have talked about so far, your fellowship must be motivated by love for Christ and love for others. And when you love people, you want to spend time with them, which is really the heart of this aspect of how to fellowship. Fellowship must be so much more than just a couple hours on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. It means getting involved in each other's lives. I know, my life is crazy and messy too, and we are all sinners. But we all love each other, remember? And so we must be willing to walk with each other, even amidst the crazy. We're going to look back at 1 Thessalonians 5, 13b and onward. I'm going to read, Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This passage talks about some specific ways that we can live life together or walk together would be another way to think of that. And we need God's wisdom to know when to admonish, when to encourage, and when to pray. We need to pay attention and ask good questions. And this involves time. I'm not saying that you need to spend every waking moment of every single day with each other. But What I am saying is that you and I, we need to be intentional to think about how we can spend more time together. The first idea of how we could do this would be through meals. Meals. How can you intentionally spend more time with other believers? Well, we all eat, right? (laughs) Make a plan to share a meal with another believer. One to two times a week, a month. Let this be a consistent part of your life. Have a list of people. For me, this is like actually a list in my planner, but your phone works too, okay? Uh, Have a list and be intentional and scheduled to work through it. Try to balance between spending time with people you know and people that are new. Balance between fellowshipping with people who are more mature than you and people who might be less mature than you. Look for people who you can encourage and people who can encourage you. And then come up with a reasonable plan for your season of life and come up with a plan for how to implement. If you're married, talk to your husband about this. And you know, hospitality is huge in this. Romans 12, 13 says, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Be hospitable, planned and spontaneous. You can go out to eat, but there is something special and unique about spending time in each other's homes. The goal is not that it has to be fancy. The goal is time together, sharing in common. Being consistent is better than being elaborate. So how can you plan ahead to make this doable? 
Here's just some tips of things that have been helpful for me. Make cookies and put them in the freezer in little, like, you know, 12 in a bag, okay? Ready to pull out at a moment's notice. Keep your home generally picked up and straight. I do something I call daily chores every day. It takes me like 15 to 20 minutes and I just like wipe the counters down and empty the trash can and pick up and just things to keep my home generally running smoothly. It might be a different list for you, but that's helpful for me. Use the crock pot. Have a list of go-to meals. Ask your guests to bring a part of the meal. Dessert, chips and salsa, salad. You know, it makes them feel a part of it, and it makes it easier for you, too. Think ahead of topics that may be helpful to bring up or questions that you may want to ask. Fellowship by asking intentional questions. Not necessarily deep spiritual questions, but real-life questions as well. It's amazing the conversations that you can have in a home that just do not happen in a restaurant or in the 15 minutes in between services. This is often when the real face-to-face aspect of fellowship happens. Another way we fellowship by living together is by bearing burdens. Bearing burdens. Romans 12.15 says, weep with those who weep. We are promised that in this world, we will have trouble. Life in this world is surely not all sunshine and roses. But because of Christ and in Christ, we can have hope, even when life is really hard. Be willing and ready to come alongside each other in the midst of hard things. Sometimes that means simply crying together. Sometimes that means sharing a timely verse or an encouragement from Scripture. Sometimes praying together, another opportunity. We had some sweet believer friends from church that really lived out this verse for us when we were in a difficult season of struggling with infertility many years ago. They were quick to be there, to cry with us, and to pray with us. And, oh, the fellowship and encouragement found there. Let's strive to be that believer friend for each other. Another way that we fellowship by living life together is by sharing joys. Romans 12.15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Maybe a way that we can share the joy of life is in a more formal setting. I think of baby showers, weddings, graduations. Maybe it's informally bringing a meal to someone who just had a baby. Maybe it's being intentional to give a hug to that friend at church who, you know, just got a promotion at work or who just graduated from high school. Maybe it's sharing joy together, like going on a church retreat and being refreshed at the same time. Thank the Lord together for his goodness. Be willing to come alongside someone and rejoice, even if you are currently in a weeping season. This is not always easy, but it's so important. Don't let the trials or the busyness of life 
keep you from investing in each other's lives. There are seasons to be more or less involved, yes, but the command to be intentional to fellowship does not go away. Remember, fellowship is more defined by who we are than what we do. Another way that we fellowship by living together is talking about spiritual things. In Acts 18, 24, I'm going to read that for you. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Just like Priscilla and Aquila, we have to know the truth ourselves to be able to admonish and encourage. Be intentional to be in the word yourself. Be quick to talk about spiritual things. How can you fellowship in this way? Some ideas would be do partners if you haven't gone through that program yet. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a 10-week one-on-one discipleship program. There's more information on that on our website if you're interested. Go through a Fundamentals of the Faith class. Our church offers that multiple times a year. Uh, It goes through basic doctrines of the Christian faith. Meet with another mature believer for one-on-one discipleship. doesn't have to be partners. You can just meet together and talk about spiritual things. Use church events and Pastor Tom's sermons to spark questions or conversations. You know, you can say, hey, did you meet anyone new at the church picnic? Or what did you think about Pastor Tom's comment from last week about blank? As you go about living life together sharing meals, bearing burdens, sharing joys, worshiping, serving, praying, giving. Be quick to turn the conversation back to the author of your faith, the who behind the why we share in common. I remember when I first came to Countryside over 13 years ago, I was so struck by the way people would just ask me in casual conversation what God was teaching me or what I was reading in the Word. Ladies, let's keep doing that. Do you remember our theme from the beginning of our time together today? It's on your outline, just so you know, if you need to look. (laughs) It says, fellowship should be a consistent, intentional, and increasing reality in the life of believers as they walk together seeking to bring glory to God. Well, we've talked a lot about how fellowship should be consistent and intentional, but why increasing? Well, turn with me again, or it's on your handout there, to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
because of Christ, this is not our home, friends. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that reality. The closer that we get to heaven, the more we should long to encourage one another and share the hope that we have in Christ and the reality of our eternity with him. We get to spend eternity fellowshipping with our Lord and each other. But let's not wait. Let's start now. Before I close this in prayer, I have an assignment for you. During our break, as you have time to fellowship together, make it your goal to find someone who you do not know and introduce yourself. In a room this size, I bet there's somebody you don't know, okay? And I want you to ask them three questions, and I'm going to give you categories. I'm going to make it really easy for you, okay? Ask them something about their family. So are they married? Do they have kids, siblings, parents? Faith, how long have they been at countryside? How long have they been saved? What are they reading in the Word? Something like that. And fun, what's a hobby or a fun fact or something like that? Okay, so family, faith, fun. Let me pray to close our time. Dear Lord, we thank you that As believers, our eternal home is in heaven with you. Help us to be intentional to obey this command to fellowship, ultimately because we love you and we want to glorify you with the way that we live our lives. Thank you for the clarity of your word, and thank you for the blessing of the body of Christ. Amen.